Well, hello and welcome back to The Daily Brew, the devotional where every day we drink a new brew of coffee, unless, of course, it's tea week. And we see what God is brewing for us in the Bible. Yes, it's cheesy, but it's true. Today, we continue on. You join me in Auckland as we continue our Bible in a Year plan, day 48. Today, as always, the scriptures are in the description on every platform, but I'll read them to you as well. Proverbs 5, 1 to 14, Mark 2, 18 to 3, 30, and Exodus 21, 1 to 22, 31. So those are our scriptures for today great to have you with me as we wrap up almost tea week praise god coffee very very soon don't worry it's coming back it's coming back but today uh let's talk about the brews because yesterday i had the gumboot tea was was what annalise calls it now tea week obviously is annalise's cupboard and uh this is annalise's tea she loves this one dilma gumboot tea now i had it black yesterday and really just thought it tasted like dirt so today I thought I'd add a little bit of milk and I, I, I did seek wise counsel around how much milk I should give and if I brewed it too long or too short. I've done it exactly how I've been told. So let's see, uh, by the way, just a bloop of milk. Apparently that is what you're supposed to have. So let's try this today. The Dilma Gumboot Tea. Let's see if this is any better with a little bit of milk in there. Please don't taste like dirt. Ah, interesting. The milk definitely softens the blow of the tea. It's not like it's like that much better, which I think I'm disappointed about because I, I, I don't know what I'm expecting. You know, with coffee, it's got that yum taste. <laughs> I just am not. I'm not getting that with tea. This is definitely better than uh, the black tea uh, without any milk. Uh, I think I probably would want it with sugar though. That's probably where I'm at. Like a sweet drink. Because as a as a bland drink, it's really not it's not it's nothing special, nothing to write home about. But uh, I can see why people, I suppose, drink it. I mean, you know, I suppose. Uh, I'm going to move on now, though, and finish up with the brews today, and move into. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but you know, it it is what it is, people. It is what it is, and uh, you can feel free to um, hit me up on social media and let me know how wrong I am if you feel so passionately about it. But. For anybody passionate about the Bible more than the cup of tea, let's get into the Bible for today. Growing up, one of the movies that I loved to watch as a kid was Pinocchio. We used to watch this, not the New Age Pinocchio, odd, like strange. I'm talking original Disney animated movie Pinocchio. It's a tale of a boy who had to learn what was right and wrong with his cricket buddy who acted as his conscience, advising what was wise and what was not wise. And through Pinocchio's sort of journey, going from being a wooden boy to a real boy, he, he obviously he didn't develop his conscience very well. And this resulted in some pretty intense consequences, including a biblical scene of being swallowed by a whale. Now, we know that there is such a thing as good and evil, regardless of if we are Christians or if we're not, we can all acknowledge that there is good and evil in the world. It's inbuilt into each and every single human on earth. And as Christians, we know why. Because we are made in his image, knitted together by a good God. It's in his nature to be good. And in our hearts, there's a deep desire to be good and despise evil. There is consequence, sorry, there is a conscience that God has given each and every single one of us and aligned with God, his will and his desires. That is what is truly good in our lives. However, the truth is, is that these cons consciences look so much like consequences. The, the consciences that God gives us can be dulled over time. And we lose our sharpness when it comes to what truly is good. 
And so that's where we see this watering down, right, of Christianity and Christian values. Over time is when our consciences drift from being so sharp and aligned with God to now dull and watered down. So how do we get our sharpness back? How do we make sure that our conscience is in great working order? And the answer is objective truth, truth that comes from the word of God. In Proverbs, we have a really clear and strong warning. All sin is on the base of deception. Deception is when what is presented and taken for face value has a very different substance behind it. Deception is a mask used to disguise evil for good. Look at how it's described in Proverbs, the deception in sin. It says, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. This is how deception works. It's not good. The core of it is horrible, nasty, disgusting, but it presents itself as something that is sweet and good to eat. And when it comes to sexual temptation, this is how it works every single time. No matter what the temptation is, it always appears as dripping honey, but at the core of it, it's bitter, twisted, and rotten. Sexual sin is so hard to avoid now, with Instagram being filled with bikini-clad women, including Christians, uh, to sexualized advertising, to unlimited free pornography online. The world that we're living in is rich with sexual perversion. In advertising, there's a phrase that gets used because it's true. Sex sells. Sex sells. And the deception is that sexual sin will result in fulfillment. But this couldn't be any further from the truth. Sure, it feels good in the moment, but after the after effects of sexual sin is always nasty. While sex and sexuality is a gift from God, when it's abused, the pain that it causes both for the abuser and the one who is abused is huge. A constant, conscience needs to be super sharp if we're going to navigate our way through the world that we live in with wisdom and overcome these temptations. It's interesting that what was levied at Jesus when uh, was that uh, he was evil and led by evil or possessed by demons, and that's why he could do what he did. What a ridiculous accusation, especially when you see that it came from the religious leaders, the guys who were supposed to know what they're talking about, right? These guys are out here now saying that Jesus is all this stuff. But Jesus is God. He made this clear so many times throughout Scripture. He is wisdom personified. He is the kingdom of heaven in human flesh. But let's look at these three uh, accusations, these three options that he could have been, uh, just as a point of interest, okay? So the three claims about Jesus are as follows. Number one, that he is evil. The teachers of the law said that he had an evil spirit and inferred that he was evil himself. The second thing is that he could have been insane. And people said about Jesus that he is out of his mind. The third option is that he is God. And this was Jesus's claim. He made it plain and clear time and time again in scripture. And Jesus makes it clear who he is. The deception here that we have by the religious leaders is to try and take the focus off of Jesus being the Messiah and cloak him in the thought that he was demonic, excuse me, rather than spiritual. The consequences of what we believe about Jesus are significant. The disciples who spent three years intensively with Jesus identified him as the unique son of God. And that's my personal conviction too. Not that Jesus is evil, not that he is bad, not even that he is insane. He's none of those things. I believe that Jesus is the living son of God. He's a sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world, the perfect blameless sacrifice, my redeemer, my hope, my confidence, and my reward. As Christians, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And as such, we're the ones who should be promoting what's good and shunning what's evil. If you've ever, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you think to yourself, man, these guys are extreme. The rules of law that they draw up here are a little bit intense. 
Compared to today, yes, they are, especially when it comes to moral conditions of living. However, they're very humane compared to the other gods and other people groups of the day. And remember, these were given by God to help God's people take steps towards being holy and living righteous. The rules they were given were given to limit evil. Now, it's important to understand that these laws that we read here in our Bible today, they were given to judges and not ordinary people. And the reason they were given to judges was to help them govern the people. It was written for judgment and sentencing for the judges of the day. And as we read these laws, we have to read them with the context that these laws were given as maximum possible sentences. And that's why they appear extreme. There was a whole bunch of other sentences that could have been given, but for the judges of the day, this law that we read was given as the maximum sentencing to give. Now, one of the things that does get levied against the Bible is the reference to slavery and the laws that are permitting slavery or appear to permit slavery. Slavery is not God's best plan. And when you look at what the Bible does say about slaves, it is revolutionary for the time that the Bible was written. From the uh, time off slaves were permitted to the strict controls to limit the mistreatment of slaves, these things were given to promote good and evil scenarios. Contextually, of course, slavery is not good. And I'm not advocating for slavery today, and neither is the Bible. But in Bible times, it was, it was commonplace for slavery to exist. And God provided law that would inject good into an evil situation. This law made holiness and righteousness the goal, good over evil. God's nature in, an, in, an, uh, in a fallen world, that's what the law was for. And ultimately, it was an unattainable goal. that We would never be perfect. We would never be able to attain to all of the law. And that's why without Jesus's holy sacrifice and the Holy Spirit releasing onto the earth today, we would never be able to be in relationship with God. But thanks to Jesus and his sacrifice, we do have that relationship with God. And so this law becomes not something we have to base our lives upon. However, we can learn a lot about God's heart and the standards he has by looking into the Old Testament law and looking at it from the lens of the new covenant, but seeing what God's standards are for our lives. We can still take a lot and learn from this old law, even though we're under the new law, about how we treat others as well as every person on earth being made in the image of God. Verse of the day. Yes, it's time for the super sneaky extra bonus verse. Mark 3, 29 says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. I remember reading this as a young Christian and being really concerned about what this meant. Like Jesus, he doesn't clarify what it looks like, but he does say the consequences are huge. I remember reading it and being like, well, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I've already done it? What if I have done it and I can't repent now? What if it's all over? But Jesus here, he, he, he's giving us this instruction, not as something to overwhelm us or terrify us by, but as a prompt. This is not something you can do unintentionally. If you're concerned about committing this sin, then you probably are in a good space because it's the Holy Spirit that actually convicts us of our sin and empowers us to overcome. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit himself would convict you. This is not something you can stumble into. This is actually an intentional heart position, an attitude or a state of mind where you cannot physically bring yourself to repent. Therefore, it means you cannot be forgiven. And that is it for today. The Daily Brew done and dusted for today, day 48. In the bag tomorrow, day 49, as we uh, have a super store-bought can. And I actually found something really exciting in the supermarket today that I'm going to share with you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, 
As always, I'm praying for you that God is speaking to you in these scriptures. Let me know what God is saying in the comment section on YouTube and or in the social media DMs. I'd love to hear from you. It's so encouraging to hear what God is saying to you. However, it is the end for today. If you haven't done so already, take a moment on our audio podcast platforms and take a moment and subscribe. So follow the uh, podcasts and rate them. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a devotional. That is it for today though. Come back tomorrow for another day of the Daily Brew. If this is the start of your day, have a great rest of your day. Unless it's time for bed, sleep well, and we'll see you tomorrow here on the Daily Brew.